Hello, everyone. Welcome to Path to Glory, a Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. I'm your co-host, Amon Kusro, and I'm joined by my other co-host, Jonathan Davis. Hello, everyone. So, for reference, this episode was recorded on October 3rd, 2019. It's just after the Beastgrave release, and right before the pre-orders for the upcoming warband, Grimwatch. Pretty exciting stuff, huh? Yeah, that is correct. Um, so we're going to start things off in typical Path to Glory fashion, and Jonathan will lead the next segment, Community Shoutouts. Yep. Uh, today on Community Shoutouts, we are basically just shouting out the number of different reviews that the content creators have created. Um, you can find reviews for the Wild Hunt and the Despoilers, the two new Beastgrave Warbands, um, pretty much on all the blogs. Um, you did one yourself, I'm on, at Hexus and Warbands. Yes, sir. That's great. Um, it's kind of just a mega uh, review that uh, looks over the, everything that's contained in the starter set. Um, and then Can You Roll a Crit did a series of reviews. Steel City did a like first look um, art, series of articles that I enjoyed. And then the Battle for Salvation podcast also went over the warbands um, there. So we'll be referencing um, those warbands. At this point, we, I guess we kind of expect that you know, everybody's vaguely familiar with them. So if you want any details on that, I would definitely recommend checking out those articles. Absolutely. Yeah. A um, whole bunch of stuff out there. Also, I guess a community shout out of our own is our Twitch channel. Yeah, that's correct. Um, we are going to be doing a lot more on our Twitch channel, which is uh, Twitch slash Path to Glory Gaming. Um, we actually did a, f a game the other day with uh, Tony Field. We were testing out the new Beastgrave Warbands with just their faction cards. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, we plan to do more. Um, anytime I have time, if I'm going to do any deck building or something, I'm probably going to do it on the stream and, uh, just come hang out. And then we're going to try to have, uh, more recorded games going forward. Once we figure it all out, we'll probably try to have some kind of regular schedule for it. Yeah. And you can look forward to some games that we're going to try to do cam games on the stream. So we're still in the midst of figuring it out, but once we're able to figure it out, uh, despite the fact that Jonathan and I live in two different cities, we'll be able to get some games in. And I think it's going to be really exciting because we're also doing a YouTube channel. So it'll just be mostly games. And I'm thinking about doing video reviews as well uh, to go hand in hand with my uh, blog, Hexes and Warbands. So a lot of exciting stuff in the pipeline. And we're very excited to, I guess, complete it so we can show it to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I guess at the time that this episode is going to drop... Um, there will also be a review on your blog um, for the new Warband. That is right, the Grimwatch. Yeah. Yeah, so I actually, as you all know, I get to review some of the products early by Games Workshop, so thank you so much to the Games Workshop community team uh, for allowing me that privilege. Um, it's really exciting for me to be able to get my hands early and kind of dig deep with the Warbands and kind of analyze some of the cards so that everybody can kind of get my take on them. Um, I am by no means the authority on the cards, but I just love sharing my opinion, and I hope that you guys do find it helpful. But uh, I will have to say, 
that I've been very impressed with what I've seen so far. I mean, the models are great. They come in this like forest green color. Um, it's just enough to where it looks dirty, but not too like lifey either. Like you can definitely tell it's like a deathly green color, but it doesn't infringe on any of the other greens they've used. The models are super detailed, like fantastic, but they are a little, as Jonathan has said in the past, spindly in that like if you must be very careful with them because you can easily bend or misshape some of the parts of the model. Uh, when assembling your models, just keep the lookout for Gristlewell, the greatsword. The way that the instructions explain how his head is supposed to go in before the arms is weird. Um, so just keep keep on the lookout for that. But other than that, fantastic models. The bats are huge, full of detail. Um, not as large as I thought the ghouls would be, but really exciting stuff. So I can't wait for you guys to see them in person in your hands and build them. Yeah, I can't wait either. I, I'm going to get mine with everybody else, like the other peasants. So. <laughs> well, I, I, I would never, I would never uh, call anyone that name. You know, I just, I'm lucky that I have a platform to be able to share my opinions, and I encourage anyone else who wants to share their opinions to either start your own blog or make some posts on Facebook or uh, even use Well of Power to make some decks. Right? Um, I think the community is awesome, and being able to share your ideas. It's kind of why I started my blog in the first place, and you know, I, this is just a perk. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, it's. I'm just it's kidding. A, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, um, everything can get misscrewed nowadays. So. Sure, sure. Um, so and yeah, you'll go through every card and your thoughts on it in that article. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we're kind of not going to do that here today. Um, I guess we'll just assume that you've already looked at it. So, um, I feel like there's going to be a flurry of. Uh, reviews and people consuming that content. So absolutely, we don't necessarily want to go over each card here. Um, what we do want to talk about next is what we are up to, um, or what we have been up to lately. And in a bit of a departure from all the beast grave stuff we're so excited about, um, this last week we took uh, part in a the very last Night Vault uh, event at the Warhammer Citadel Grand Clash in uh, Grapevine, Texas, very close Ooh. to where I live. Yeah. Um, and uh, just some info on the event. Um, we had 12 people. I think about 21 signed up, but it seems like a lot of people weren't able to make it on the day of. So um, there were a I lot of cool people there. I think there was 13. There. 13 you know, on I PCP. I looked, and uh, one of the players, Robert Cox, is in there twice. <laughs> oh, well. So, yeah, I think it was the first time they used BCP, and so it took them a little bit to figure it out, but um, I think they just ended up adding him and then dropping him, but he still shows up there. But oh, other okay. than that, BCP worked like a charm, as it usually does, so yeah, no problem there. But, um, and yeah, we had some good players. Yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, I just figured your dog's barking, so I'd... <laughs> but uh, while you handle that. But, um, yeah, so, like, we had some players from actually quite far show up for the event. I mean, I live in Austin, so I drove down to uh, Dallas and uh, kind of hung out at Jonathan's place. Uh, Matt Martin from Critical or Crit Defense, the podcast, he flew in from Atlanta. We had Tony Field from the End Phase. He flew in from SoCal. And we even had a player from England. His name was Adam. 
and he brought his Eyes of the Nine, very strong player and warband uh, design, which I thought was very cool. So a lot of lo- a good healthy mix of local players, international players, or national players uh, of varying skill levels. Um, but overall, my experience was the competition was pretty stiff, and I really liked the event. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of the people in my local area are pretty good players, and then the ones from Houston, um, and then the ones that traveled in. I mean, they're all they're all great players. So I don't uh, I think there was maybe two people that were new to the game there. Um, but everybody else, you know, was definitely knew what they were doing. So yeah, it was, it was like the event. veterans of my meta and your meta, plus a couple dudes who flew in. It was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, it was great to see Matt again. Great to see Tony. Actually, for the first time, I had talked to him before, but this is the first time I got to meet him. So it was fun hanging out with you guys. Um, and uh, I actually brought Godsworn Hunt to the event. I sort of brought a kind of wonky deck um, with Peerless Fighter and Oath of Conquest in it. And my plan was to go big or go home, and I definitely went home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, I ended up seventh. I went two and two in the first four rounds. So, Uh, But it was a a fun time. Uh, The Godsworn tend to be pretty random. In the first round, I was paired against Tony, and I only successfully made two attacks, and... The only kill I got the whole match was with Grawl. So, oh wow, he uh, he is the best dog. You were not on a path to glory. <laughs> I was I was on a path somewhere, but it wasn't the glory. <laughs> wow, that's rough. But I think it was because I used my Night Vault pre-order dice, and they knew that Night Vault was over. Yeah, Pretty I keep telling you to use your Grand before. Clash dice. I mean, <laughs> it's a price. Right. I think I don't know. They roll well for me. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll have to do that <laughs> from now on, or at least use the beef grave dice. So. Yeah, you should have used the uh, Grash Racks Despoilers dice you got the day before. I know. I should have. It couldn't have went worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, it yeah. can only go up from there. Right. So I took the Profiteers, which was uh. Yeah. Which is you know everyone's like oh Mon and his Profiteers, but uh. It was actually a – it's not the warband I wanted to take. Let's just say that when we had signed up for the event, I, I was under the assumption that the Banshees, Lady Harrow's Mournflight, were going to be – like ran in a way in which I could uh, – like they could inspire prior to, ch- to finishing the charge. So I had practiced them in that style, and then there was a – I guess a – last second decision made by the TO of the event. Um, so full respect to him and his decision. They ruled it the wrong way or the other way. Sorry, not the wrong way. Um, cause you can really <laughs> tell I'm biased. Um, because sure, like, sure. in theory, the way Night Vault rules work, just how orcs can inspire through a lethal on the charge. In theory, the Mourn flight can be do this, done the same. Um, understand that you disagree because they don't, you don't believe they were designed that way. And I think that's why they went with that ruling because they shared that philosophy. So right before the event, I was a little frustrated, but, uh, you know, I was lucky that I brought some spare warbands. And so I pulled out my trusty profiteers list and I made sure I turned around. So I didn't look at uh, anyone else. I kind of went to the, off to the side and just built my deck privately and, uh, Looked at my Gen Con deck that got second place and just tweaked it with some cards that I thought I liked since then. 
and uh, just went into the event. And it was a lot of fun. Um, first game, I was playing against a Curse Breaker player. Um, you know, two owed him. Second game, I played against your uh, your meta local meta friend, Robert, and he was playing his aggro gits, which was kind of scary. Um, but I had Shard Gale, so that worked out. So I beat him 2-0. And then I played Tony Field in the third round, which is a little disappointing because I really wanted to play him later in the tournament. But uh, he was he brought the Grodsworn Hunt as well. And so I think uh, you, Matt, and him were trying to get the Godsworn one final glass or a shot at the glass before the season ended. And uh, Tony and I played some very good close games, um, but I was able to beat him 2-0. And then I, in the fourth round, I played Eyes of the Nine, which was against Adam. And he was from England. And he had this – he won board twice. I think both games, yeah. And he uh, – kind of set his fighters back and so as profiteers i was able to get to him because i drew my cards early but i barely won those games i won by three in one game and two in the other game because he would just score like eight or nine glory at the end phase of the third round um so it was a very well thought out and played deck and uh, definitely took advantage of the lack of speed that my warband hand but i was able to make it through and so then i made it to the final again and as you know, <laughs> I don't have a good track record in the finals. So I was like taking it pretty seriously. Uh, and Tony was like, hey, you good? And I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, you haven't smiled for the last hour and a half. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not going to take this lightly. This is my last opportunity to win in Night Vault. I'm going to take it seriously. And then lo and behold, Tony Field makes it to the final. Because at that point, everyone had similar like wins and losses. I was the only undefeated player. And he had the highest glory differential. So we went and played in the final again. So game one went my way. Game two, I think I got a little little cocky there. Um, and uh, I had some poor rolls as well, I think, that uh, which Tony definitely took advantage of and, and won the game. And then we went to game three. Um, and it's crazy how you feel like you have a lot of time for these games, but you don't. But uh, we played very quickly. Um, we played very well. But in the end of the second phase, I scored combination strike victory after victory and sound finances to put me ahead by a healthy margin. And at that point, there was just no way Tony could catch up. And so I'm very pleased to announce, as I'm sure you've seen me uh, posting on Facebook, that I finally won my first Grand Clash. And uh, it was really exciting. Um, I understand that the event is a little bit smaller. And, you know, some people might, I guess, try to take that part away from me. But for me, um, again, I've made it to three Grand Clash finals. So <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. like, to me, it doesn't matter, right? Like if I had won Adepticon or Gen Con or um, Warhammer Fest in England, I just wanted one win. And I was able to get it. And, uh, you know, yeah. as we've said in the past, when it comes to the final, it's just which Warband performs better on the in, in the match. And so... I'm very happy. It's it's worth a lot to me, and uh, you know, it's kind of like a weight off my shoulders, a weight that I put on myself. But still, <laughs> nonetheless, it's a weight off my shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations again. Thank you. They, I mean, they uh, they looked like great games, and uh, you know, I think you deserved it. So. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> it's exciting for us both to uh, have been able to do that. <laughs> yeah, both Grand Class champions and. Yeah. Uh, grand battle winners as well champions so 
Yeah, very cool. Very exciting. Very cool. <clears throat> but three um, of the four trophies were because of profiteers. <laughs> yeah, they're not broken or anything. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think they're broken. I think they're good. They're very good in Nightvolt, but I don't think they were broken. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I think they definitely have the edge. Um, they definitely have the highest win rate in all of the data that I was. I'm, I'm collecting at one well of power. Um, if you go to events and stuff, you can see all that data. But and I'm actually going to have my like quarter four night vault post out pretty soon. But um, yeah, they're <laughs> they're really good. But um, you know, they're up there with a few other factions though that are also doing well. Well, it's like I said, man. It's America's warband. You <laughs> right. got guns and alcohol and shiny yeah. toys, and that's all you really need. Just got to roll some crit, and you're good. Yeah. I will say that yeah. in one of my games against Tony, out of the five games we played, like there was one game where I just kept rolling a crit and a hit, um, <laughs> which just doesn't ha- doesn't hurt, right? As long as you don't have warning shot, it's a, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, so I I don't run it anymore, but uh, Tony yeah. was running it, and like it was really funny. Like he would roll and get like three hits or like two hits, and I would roll a single crit, and then he would sigh <laughs> like a sigh of relief because it would score him warning shot. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It's, like, it's you, weird. It's like one of the times I didn't want to like succeed my defense. Right. Well, I guess it depends. Like if it's the javelin, then maybe you don't mind, you know. Oh <laughs> you yeah. Don't usually want that hitting. So I was definitely afraid of first turn charges against Iron Hill, but yeah. uh, I ran mutating Maul to uh, make up for uh, the fact that he could go down early. Oh yeah, to get get the hints. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. yeah, I guess it also doubles for what armor, so it's not. Yeah. Not that you bad. Triple down so. on it, kind of. Cool. And uh, I guess we'll make sure that that deck is uh, in the show notes if you still have it. But uh, oh, I do. It'll be first. it'll be on the blog. I'm not gonna take. <laughs> cool. uh, not gonna miss this opportunity to to share that. So. Yeah. Great. Well, I I think uh, everybody enjoys those battle reports, so we'll be looking forward to that too. Um, do you have anything else to say to the, about the event? Um, I thought it was great, and I just you know hope they do more, and hopefully they give everybody a little more time. Um, to plan to travel, so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I generally liked it. I had never been to the store before. Uh, yeah. I thought Morgan, the store manager, NTO was awesome. Um, yeah. Absolutely. You know, it was nice being able to get, like, coffee and not have to leave the Games Workshop. So. Yeah, I think you had a great. croissant. <laughs> did have a That was my breakfast the morning of the tournament. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stuff there is usually really good, and um, we talked to him, and he said that uh, he would try to do more notice next time, and um, they said if they can, they'll have some kind of event like this every six months or so. So. Oh, I, I heard every year. So every six months is great. Um, yeah, I think they're definitely going to do the one-year anniversary, which is what this was every year. But then he said he may also try to get another one in. Um, you know, and maybe it won't be a Grand Clash, but it might be a Skirmish or something like that. So we'll, yeah. we'll figure it out with them, and it uh, should be fun. Hopefully more people can travel uh, next time as well. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Um, All right, well, let's go to our next topic, which is now that we have the first three warbands and then the first set of universals is releasing when, or it's previewing when this uh, is recording today, or when when it's recording, but it's when it's going to air, will be today. Um, So we want to talk about the Beastgrave early meta. 
um, including the Grimwatch, the Wild Hunt, and the Despoilers, and just what we think the game's going to look like um, as it goes forward. Yeah. <clears throat> to me, with the new season, and I don't think we've really talked about this before, there's a few new things that I think uh, people need to think about, or at least be aware of. Um, and I think uh, the first one is the Hunter Quarry mechanic. Um, what are your impressions of that so far? Yeah, so I, I, I'm one of those people, and I know this is probably a boring answer, and I I guess I don't apologize, but it, just forewarning, is that I don't think we've seen enough of it yet. I think Snare is a very powerful card. Mm-hmm. Um, having a trap just designed for hunters seems really solid. Um, so there's clearly benefits for being a hunter. I'm really curious to see how they're going to handle the quarry mechanic. I think it's important that both Hunter and Quarries get benefits and perhaps even weaknesses as well that might be worth the risk. But at this time, I don't really see one, um, and so I'm hoping there's more. One thing I've also noticed that the Hunter, aside from the Wild Hunt, which makes sense because they're all Hunters, um, except Legain, of course, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Grawl 2.0, uh, <laughs> is that yeah. the stronger fighters are not Hunters, which I right. think is useful. Um, so it kind of gives you a little buff to the the weaker guys like for example in the Grashrax to spoilers you know the four little guys are the hunters and so them being able to use snare is actually huge because it actually increases their threat level to where your opponent can't really take them lightly which i think is a fun game to play um, but also just furthermore reinforces the fact that like any fighter in the warband can do well mm-hmm. and like when you look at the Grimwatch, there's only four fighters that are hunters out of the seven, and one of them can't come back. So again, right. it's a it's a way to like make the smaller fighters feel better, um, and so hopefully the cards that support the hunter and quarry mechanic um, kind of reinforce that. But I'd really love to see weaknesses as well. Like, why would you ever want to be a quarry? Um, and right. so maybe you get like plus two health, but you're a quarry because you can't move as fast. You know, like that's thematic kind of. Um, like mm-hmm. for a sudden growth type card. So I would love to see things like that. How about you? Yeah, I agree. I think we need to see more of it. Um, right now it seems like it is good for uh, particularly the wild hunt. Um, like snare is a great card um, and it is kind of balanced in that the other two, uh, particularly the Grimwatch and the Despoilers, um, they can't use it on all of their fighters. So, um, And then maybe the wild hunt, that's just one of their strengths. They are all hunters except for the uh, Legain, or however you pronounce that cat's name. Um, lion. The lion, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that's good. Um, we did get a couple new cards um, for Hunters in the Grimwatch set, mm-hmm. um, but nothing that really sticks out to me. Um, the Beast is Slain is a score immediately for a Hunter killing a quarry. Um, that is good. We just don't necessarily have enough ways to make people quarries yet, um, but I expect that that'll improve as it goes on. Um, well, we there's this up- one card, right? Like Cloaked in Shadow. Choose a fighter until the end of the next activation. That fighter is a quarry. Right. Players cannot choose that fighter when a gambit is played, and that fighter cannot be dealt damage. So, by gambits, at least. So that's a way to, like, right. like score the card that you mentioned. The beast, the beast is slain, but it also seems like a 
like if you don't draw the objective or you don't draw the card, you can't really do it. So it seems card dependent at this time. Right, and that one's only active for that one activation, I think. Yes. Um. So I mean, I don't. So I think if if, if uh, there are more cards like that that the other player is going to be taking, and then you're able to take marked and you know maybe there's more cards that make people quarry in the future. Like the Grimwatch actually have a really good one. Um. Or we'll see how good it is as. Like more stuff comes out so right now i would say unless you're already a hunter it's not really worth building for um but i guess i'm hopeful that it'll uh there'll be more options as time goes on um i would say that currently i don't think there's any point in the older warbands trying to become hunters and then trying to make the enemy quarry i think it's just too much work yeah i think so i think the older warbands weren't designed with this mechanic in mind and yeah. I see a lot of people out there like clamoring, like, oh, my old warband should get the hunter keyword. But uh, I don't really think so, because these new warbands are designed with the fact that there are going to be some powerful hunter-specific cards there. And that could definitely throw off the balance of previous warbands. And then some people might argue, well, you know, they need the help. And I mean, you, you barely played Beastgrave, right? It's been out for a week, not even. Um, I think it came out this Sunday, actually. So it's not even been out for a week yet. So yeah. I definitely think that people should take the time to play with the older warbands. I know the shiny new stuff is awesome, but play with your older stuff, and I think you'll see that they're actually still pretty relevant. And I know that there's not a lot of cards out at this time, but if there was ever a time to go toe-to-toe and show that Season 1 warbands can stack up with Season 3 warbands, like now is that time. Yeah, probably, and I think that as we get more stuff, it's possible that there'll be a tipping point where suddenly it is worth it. Um, so I think we're just too early in the season. And then there may also be downsides that we're not aware of for being a hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's just too early to tell. We've only got, what is it, like 27 cards or something like that? Um, or 30 cards from the new season? 27. So. 27 universals. Nine ploys, nine right. upgrades, nine ob- objectives. Okay, yeah, and then just the five from the starter set. So That's almost, right, yeah. almost nothing. So it's really just too early to, uh, you know, have too strong out of opinion on anything. But um, I guess the next thing that we can touch on briefly is the limit to six score immediately cards in the championship format, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, will be what most people play. Um, I'd say it's like the standard format. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the limitation of six? So I think it's a double-edged sword, and I'll tell you why. So first and foremost, I love the idea of slowing the game down. I think the game became very, very fast, and it just came down to who's scoring their score immediates faster so they can chug through their deck, play their glory amplifiers with cards like Opening Gambit, uh, Greater Solid Gains, Combination Strike Victory After Victory, Spear Tactician, and then Mm -hmm. um, kind of snowballing from there. And... So slowing the game down seems like a great, great idea. I also believe that forcing deck limitations is also another great idea because it increases that skill level between um, players. And I think in a competitive game, you should have the opportunity to display your strengths, whether it's gameplay or deck building or execution. And so this is another great way for players to differentiate themselves and say, I built a really good deck even despite these limitations. My concern 
is that it might exacerbate some of the problems we've seen in previous seasons where, okay, let's say you and I are playing a game and you draw in your opening hand three score immediates and I draw one score immediate and two end phase cards. Who has the advantage? Yeah, me probably. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Because in theory, you could score all three of your cards and then draw into more score immediates or more end phase cards that you could probably score while I'm sitting there trying to score one card, maybe get into another one, and then waiting till the end phase to like work towards my objectives. And granted, end phase cards generally do give more glory, but like if you've scored four or five cards in one turn, which is possible, and you know what, we can even just narrow it down to let's say you scored three cards, that's still three more cards than I did, or two more cards than I did. And then now you have upgrades on your fighters, and I don't. Um, right, yeah, because I get the glory during the round, and then I draw into what may be either more score immediately that I can score, or then end phase cards, which I can score. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, that's that is obviously why uh, score immediately are good. Um, it is interesting, I guess, that the way that the math can work out when you have an even amount of each. Um, I guess maybe the chance of one player having a better hand than the other might be higher. Um, but I'm not sure. I guess I'd have to look more into that. Yeah. I mean, that's just something that I've foreseen and something that Tony Field and I talked at length about at the Citadel this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean... That's it, interesting. Because I yeah. think on the flip side of it is, if you have too many score immediately, especially if they can be scored at the same time, um, the game almost feels kind of silly if you're just like scoring a bunch of stuff at once and then just cycling into, you know, great gains, combination strike, all that. Like it feels like you're not even playing half of the game, which is, you know, planning for the end phase of each round. So, um, I guess I would say so far I've enjoyed deck building that way. And in the few games that I have played in the beast grave rules, I haven't really noticed that much of a problem, but I guess we'll have to see as it pans out. Yeah, I mean, I think the higher levels of play that you go in terms of competitiveness, I think you'll start to see that shift. Um, because if it comes down to like a grand crash final, and you know one guy draws three square immediates and the other guy draws like like one end fa- like two end phase cards or one third end phase card, like mm-hmm. they have to toss that away. So they've lost their end end game scores, um, and they're already on the back foot while the other guy's smiling because. He can still score everything in his hand and then draw into his endgame glory later. Yeah, especially if the score immediately are easy to score, like calculated risk or something like that. Um, a lot of the a lot of score immediately are fine if they require a kill or they do something like that. But if they're if they don't really if you don't really need the other opponent um, and there's not really anything the opponent can do to stop you, then I think that's where it starts to get problematic. Yeah, I agree. And, so. and you mentioned calculated risk, right? Which is now we like now everyone knows why it was restricted because you can place lethal hexes. <laughs> um, yeah, if it wasn't restricted in Night Vault, it definitely would have needed to be restricted now. Yeah, and I what I think is silly, and maybe I'd like to get your opinion on this, but the fact that you can just place lethal hexes anywhere kind of perplexes me. Um, what do mm-hmm. you think about that? Because you can literally put it next to another lethal, like on that amber board, or mm-hmm. uh, next to a block hex, and then like kind of funnel your opponent or force them to take damage, which seems a bit strong. I don't know. Yeah, I think it does. Um, 
especially in the diagonal board setup. Um, a couple of the games that I've played, like you just create this weird like wall of lethal hexes. Um, and if your opponent works with you, you can like literally create a wall <laughs> on some of these boards. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's the right move. Um, but even if you're not like forcing the other person to go in them, what I've been doing is I put the lethal hex behind uh, the enemy's starting hexes. And if um, they have too many fighters, they literally cannot avoid it. Um, and so it makes the first turn lethality like a lot higher, um, which is interesting. Like it's just an interesting thing to have to deal with now. Um, it may give an advantage to some of the smaller warbands that can sort of plan around that lethal hex. Um, so I don't. I don't know that. I mean, I don't know if I think it's a problem, but. Um, It'd be interesting to see what they, uh, if they, what they do with it. I know in the video for the competitive format, they mentioned uh, restrictions to where you can place the lethal hexes. So, oh, I didn't catch we'll, that. Yeah, yeah, they, that's one of the things they mentioned in that video. So, hopefully, that'll, you know, maybe there'll be some clarity on that. But yeah. <clears throat> it's definitely an interesting addition. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I, I'm, I'm not sure if I have an opinion yet on like if I like it or not. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, do you have an opinion on the shattered board or shattered shattered tower or city, whatever the board's name is, being rotated out? Oh yeah, the um, Animus Forge and the shattered, um, yeah, whatever it's called. Um, I, I'll miss those boards because they were some of my favorite boards. But I think that if you know, because everybody can't buy them anymore, um, at both of the stores I play at, they don't have it. Um, so it'd be kind of unfair to a new player to say that, um, you know, I just have an advantage because I have them. Um, and then, like you're saying, with the lethal hexes, if you offset the Animus Forge, you can have this wall of a lethal in, in between uh, two blocked hexes, and that's kind of silly. And then uh, with the other one, the Shattered Refractor, I think, um, you can just have, like, four lethal hexes on your board and it's kind of silly if you're playing thorns or something like that yeah i think thorns benefit a lot and the yeah. banshees from these lethal hex placements because mm -hmm. it doesn't really apply to them which is really cool um but staying on topic of that board change i've seen a lot of negative comments about it and i'd like to just share my thoughts i think it's great for the game you know when when as you mentioned if if it's just not available or if it's out of print or, or whatever the reason is that it's just not available to people then I think that's a good thing, right? Because by removing that from the board pool, newer players are playing on an even more playing field. And a lot of these changes mm -hmm. have happened because we're trying to get more people into the game, right? Like Shadespire was awesome. Nightfall, even more people started playing. That's when you started playing, right before it. And then now Beastgrave, yeah. I've seen like so many people who are like, man, I don't know. The rotation kind of had me all tripping out. And But oh, the Warbands look so cool, I bought it, you know? So... There's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of great ways for people to get into the game and you can bring your friends back in and and playing against a friend who's just never seen this board or had no idea it existed kind of feels bad. So not only is it great for the new player, but it's also great for a veteran player because you get to change the game up. You don't have to play with those same cards over and over again. You don't have to play with those same board over and over again. You right. get to play a fresh right. game in a new environment with new limitations and new options and I think that's awesome. So for all of you out there who think that it's a bad decision or a poor decision or you just simply don't agree with it, I would challenge you to look at it from the other perspective because, quite frankly, in like two, three months from now, I don't think you're going to care. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
And and for me, like, I mean, I use both of those boards quite a lot, actually. And, uh, I mean, for me, it's just something you have to adapt to. And, like, now there'll be, you know, three different boards that I use a lot. Or, you know, it's going to depend on the warband as well. But, um, I don't know, just something to adapt to. And, I mean, yeah, I, like, I started with Nightfall, and I think I got that board around Christmas. So, I mean, that's still, like, ten months that I've played it, or nine months that I played the board. And I, I personally don't mind, I mean anything that mixes up the what's good and what's you know the right thing to do is kind of just interesting to me so <clears throat> but i can understand why you know if people just bought it or you know if people bought it and they feel like now they can't use it but you could use it in any of the other game modes or you play the giant mode or what i'm going to do is put it you know on my display case with all the painted models and yeah trophies and stuff so and i, I don't really mind it and plus i don't want to have to carry around you know, infinite numbers of boards, so they have yeah. to do something eventually. I mean, I wouldn't mind if boards rotated as well. I was thinking about it the other day. Like, I get, I'm the type of guy who will carry all the boards to every event because I want all <laughs> the options. Right. And, yeah. Me too. And I know that most people take two or three boards, but you know, I, I, you'd be surprised how often you use these one-off choices that can help you win a game. And for me, I don't want to take like one day, like six boards, or no, sorry, I'm already taking six, like twelve boards to an event. Like, that's going to drive me nuts. So I do yeah. hope that eventually they rotate some of the older boards out that players are having a hard time getting so that not only can people not rely on old strategies, but they have to innovate and they have to force themselves to, like, play in a different way while still giving the newer players a level playing field. Again, same concepts, but... Right. Yeah, I mean, we don't really have the details on it yet, but I would assume that um, they're going to be rotating the boards in a similar manner. I would um, hope so. I don't um, think you can buy the Shadespire boards anymore either, but um, I know they did repackage them for Nightbolt, so maybe they're giving them a little bit more time, you know? But Oh, oh, that's right, they did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they repackaged only, that you one. You can only buy them online, I think. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe you can still buy them online, and then... Um, I mean, in the article, they said for now, they're just going to be doing the one that they got rid of so um i would expect it moving forward and it just makes sense like if this game is going to evolve year after year you have to get you have to cycle out the old stuff to freshen things up and make things uh new for new players or make things easy for new players agreed the only person i feel bad for is one guy on facebook said he spent 90 dollars buying that board <laughs> oh no <laughs> but, but then i literally commented back i was like i'm so sorry you had to do that but like this just further proves my point yeah, exactly. Like if if people are hiking up the prices on eBay or something like that, like now you don't need to that, you know. Yeah. So that's, so. That kind of stuff's not good for the game either. They feel like they have to have it. So, and I mean, realistically, Games Workshop can't keep three, four, five seasons worth of you know this game going at once. Like it just it's not going to be feasible. So. Yeah. And if and the only way it is feasible is in the relic format, right? Which I think a lot of people right, are right. are kind of like taking for granted or ignoring. But, like, look at the way Magic has their, I think it's called Legacy format, where that's still pretty prevalent to this day. And, you know, someone in the comments was saying, like, oh, I'm only going to play in events that offer competitive support or price support, um, or, like, events or tournaments. And I'm just like, dude, they haven't announced anything about Relic except for the fact that there is going to be, like, organized play surrounding it. Like, I think it was one of the leaks mm -hmm. that popped up on Facebook. So, like... I yeah, wouldn't. I think they said that all three modes are going to be supported in some way. So, um, I, I mean, I wouldn't want every event I go to to be a relic event, but um, I would be fine with the occasional 
one, especially like at the end of each season or something like that, mm-hmm. when you have a whole season to mix, you know, together and stuff. Yeah, uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind playing in a Relic Grand Clash. I think that'd be really cool. And if that's something they decided to do, like, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Sure. Yeah. It'd just be a different, like, puzzle to do with the deck and um, just be an interesting challenge to figure out. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I like playing this game in all different kinds of ways. So it doesn't. Yeah, I think. I think both of our favorites is Alliance, though. Yeah, that's true. I am excited for more team events. I think that that, uh, I think that adds a depth to the game that is just really cool. Yeah. Um, all right, well then, uh, and I guess branching off of this score immediately is the last thing I wanted to kind of mention is we do now have uh, a few score immediately cards, surges, I guess they're called now, um, for holding objectives. Um, and these are really, really good. <laughs> um, yes. We had one show up in Power Unbound for the Curse Breakers, the uh, focal, focal formation. formation. And then the Lady Harrow's Banshees have some as well. And it seems like it's this is going to be a trend because um, the Despoilers have one that's really, really good um, for two glory for holding three objectives. Um, I'm pretty sure the then, Grimwatch have it too. Yep, the Grimwatch have it as well, and then they also have one that's pretty interesting called Shifting Madness, which you hold the objective that it is the round number. So in the first round you hold objective one, in the second round you hold objective two, um, and, and then you obviously you hold the third one on the third round, and so th- that's just an incredible card. Yeah, um, because you know, half the time that objective is going to be within reach and all you have to do is move on to it at the end and you just have to have it, somebody on it at the end of an activation. Yeah. Uh, the end of activation cards are a little, a little too powerful, I think, um, because it doesn't allow your opponent to counterplay unless it's in the power phase prior to. Right, yeah. Because uh, um, we also have a universal one, our first universal one called Swift Capture which is hold an objective in enemy territory and friendly territory. Um, And one thing that's kind of interesting is you can use like sidestep or um, both the Grimwatch and the Despoilers have a card that lets them move their, their worst fighters. So either the ghouls or just the hunters for uh, Despoilers. And that lets them push two fighters, two spaces. Um, So if you, if you like, let's say you got the dream hand, where you had a calculated risk and the uh, in the name of the king, which is the hold three for two glory, and you had shifting madness, you could theoretically double push onto two objectives, and then figure out if the other person didn't have a way to stop you and distraction is gone. So that's kind of interesting. Um, then when you move, you could move through a lethal onto an objective, and theoretically score all three of those at once. <laughs> So yeah. it's it's incredibly strong, um, which is interesting because objectives have been in kind of a weird spot where um, if you're not playing thorns or you're not playing, um, you know, Garter goblins, gets. yeah, you really can't even try to do it because um, it's just way too much work and it's way too hard to actually be on three and it telegraphs a lot. Um so it does seem like if this is sort of the trend that they're moving in, um, it's going to be more feasible, I think, f- 
for some smaller warbands to do some objective stuff. Like Swift Capture should be doable for a lot of different warbands because you only have to hold two objectives and you don't have to do it for very long. Mm-hmm. You just have Maybe to do Maybe Profiteers it for... can do it. Yeah, I think Profiteers... Um, I think there's going to be some Profiteers decks that center around holding two objectives um, because we also have an end phase card um, called... Uh, uh, what is it called? Path to Victory, much like Path to Glory. Um, <laughs> and uh, for that one, you just have to have killed one enemy fighter and hold two objectives in the end phase. Um, and that's really cool. You have to have killed the enemy fighter during that round. Um, and that's two glory. So that's a really cool version of like our only way out. But instead of having to hold a third objective, you just have to have killed somebody. Right. So I think that'll add a whole like that. That's a really good card for a number of different warbands um, that kind of want to do an aggro objective flex sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would definitely take it into spoilers. I'd definitely take it in Grimwatch. Pretty much anybody that did objectives already. Um, and this is just so. the tip of the iceberg, right? Like we don't know what else is going to come out. So right. it's be really exciting to see. What if there is like universal versions of faction, strong faction cards we've seen already that can allow everyone to do these things? That's kind of right. really cool, but scary at the same time, right? Because we're going, <laughs> as you mentioned, we're going from like a play style that a lot of people didn't necessarily care about except the objective-based warbands to now everybody is actually really caring about where the objectives are. You know, like they're not just Faneway portals anymore. They're actually objectives worth fighting over and keeping which i think is really exciting for the game because i always felt like that was something that was a bit lackluster and so in Mm -hmm. that regard i think the design team has succeeded i'm just afraid they might have succeeded too well but it might be too early (laughs) to say well and it also makes them for some interesting counterplay like if swift capture is in almost every deck then where you place those objectives can be really important um, like if I'm playing Thorns of the Briar Queen and I know I have Swift Capture um, and I have three objectives to place, if the other player doesn't place them you know, close to the front, I may actually place one of my objectives in enemy territory, which isn't something that I would have wanted to do before. You know? right. um, so I think all of that will change. And then in this set, we have the card that they leaked that um, for it's a spell for two focus, you flip all the objectives on one board. Um, I don't really like that card very much. I think it requires a lot of setup. Mass but, upheaval. Yeah, mass upheaval, yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess if you really wanted to, you could build, like, with Aetherflux and, like, an innate channel or well of power. Like, you could probably build a deck that could try to do it. Um, but if we get any other flipping um, abilities... Um, that'll add a whole new level of counterplay as well as just like park Gartok on top of an objective and like they just won't be able to get it, you know? Oh yeah, because he can't be pushed back. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also any anybody else can just go on guard and then stand on an objective and like block you that way. So I think there is some counterplay to it, but it is also immensely powerful. <laughs> yeah. I, I think so too. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the meta shapes up. I do think at this time, I think the Grimwatch are a meta-defining warband. And I think that you're going to see a lot of people doing really well with them. And I also think you're going to see people building strategies to do really well against them. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because um, I think one of the cards we're going to see a lot of is uh, one of the new ones from this pack called Restless Prize, which lets you move an objective two hexes um, as a gambit. And uh, I think that one's going to be in pretty much every deck because if you get on two and then you need to get on that third one, you can save it to the last power step and just move it for supremacy. Or, you know, if you're, if you need to score in the name of the King you, and someone's a guard talk is on top of that objective, then you just slide it out from under him. <laughs> um, and that's really cool. Um, Cause I don't think we've, we've, there's been a couple cards that would let you move objectives around a little bit, um, but not, two hexes i don't think uh, i think there was a scatter one that might have went to but this is way more reliable and then again at the same time if you know they're trying to get swift capture you can just push the objective out of your territory into no man's land or into their territory or something like that so right yeah no, those are cool all valid too. points yeah i think it's going to be like a whole new level of like like a mini game of like you know are they trying to get objectives what do i need to do to stop them and things like that. So yeah. it'll really make them more important, which is something that, especially in the second half of Nightball, like just wasn't really the case. Yeah, I think so. I also think that uh, there are going to be some, a lot of aggro decks that are going to rise to counter the Grimwatch or like this style of play that you're referring to that potentially could occur. Um, sure. So that'll be fun as well, right? Because, you know, everybody loves aggro, but we just recently felt like control aggro or flex plays were, kind of limiting their potential, especially Molog. But uh, right. I think I think you're going to see a lot of Molog. You're going to see a lot of Magors, I think, um, because their just stats are so awesome. And if you start cleaving down Grimwatch, I mean, that's just right. a glory train, right. right? Especially with Tome of Offerings. And I also think the Guardians are going to be a surprise warband. If, this, if the Grimwatch become as powerful as we think they are, uh, being able to burn two objectives... With uh, withering and leech power, or sorry, unmaking and leech power is, is pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, even Reavers and I think um, is it Iron Skull's boys? I think they have mm-hmm. a destroy objective as well. And so, like, if you're against Grimwatch and you have objective one next to you, you could just destroy it. <laughs> and then, or you know, objective two, and then they can't get shifting madness or um, something like that. So yeah, yeah, so- I, I think it'll be really, really cool. What would you say is your favorite card from the set? Mm-hmm. Um, from this set, I think I it might be Path to Victory. I think that's a really cool um, sort of hybrid card. I don't think, or it's I guess it's a, not a hybrid card. It's a dual card, but it also is kind of like a hybrid between like holding objectives and going on aggro. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I have two other cards I wanted to mention. Um, sure. I think they're, they're, there's a lot really cool. Um, one is called Madness Dart. It has the keyword poison. Yeah, um, yeah. So choose <laughs> one enemy fighter adjacent to one or more friendly fighters. The chosen fighter's attack actions have the fury characteristic instead of their printed characteristic. This effect persists until the chosen fighter is out of action. Yeah, that's Imagine really cool. Imagine playing that on Molog. <laughs> Yeah, when Molo goes to two swords, like that's that's terrible for him. Yeah, that's <laughs> may, really exciting. It might even be like enough for him to start taking the anti-persist cards, 
if there's going to be this kind of like buffs against him, you know? Um, yeah. I forget what it's called, but the card that just clears any persisting effect. Um, and then like, there's a lot of other persisting stuff that I think might get popular too. Like, you know, now there's more room for the Yulthari spells. And then if there's more poison like this in the future sets or something like that, um, that's a card that might sort of pop back up. Yeah. Especially if you're Molog and you really don't want to be on two swords. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Because this think... works for all, against almost every warband against somebody. You know? Yeah, it definitely does. I also think uh, Larval Lance is really cool. Um, so it's a two-range yeah. spear or a lance weapon. And the damage and the hit characteristic, which hits on Smash, is uh, incumbent upon the fact that the attack's actions dice and damage characteristic are equal to the current round number. For example, one in the first round, and they cannot be modified. So this is a really cool late game weapon, or a weapon that powers up over time. But like you can stick this on anybody, and they're doing three damage at two range on three smash. Yeah, I think it's a really cool like design space to um, for for them to explore, where you have a weapon that isn't that great in the beginning, but then gets like terrifying at the end. Like imagine um, that on Onslaught. Oh yeah, with her double attack. Mm-hmm. She can just. <laughs> like yeah take down two pretty pretty decent or substantial fighters pretty yeah. reliably and accurately too which is pretty crazy yeah because she's usually not that much of a threat and then suddenly you give her that on the third round and she'll like kill almost anybody you give mm-hmm. her great strength or glory seeker or something like that too and she's yeah. not going to die early now because there's no more hidden <laughs> paths so yeah she'll that's just, true she'll just chill in the back and then she'll get to four or five move and then just like <laughs> eliminate two curse breakers or something that'd be crazy yeah that will be really cool and i also think it's good for like the little the factions with lots of small fighters yeah um you know you have one goblin archer left and then you give them that and suddenly they're hitting like a truck you know yeah um like that's one of the best attacks in the game three hammers three damage oh uh, undoubtedly so. I mean, look at amos um and i think another uh cool thing that I like from this set is we see the first of the season's weapons, um, the Amber Bone Axe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it looks like it'll... Presumably this is the first season. Like, like we had Null Stone and we had Shade Glass. Because I think they've talked about how Amber Bone is like something that you get in the Beast Grave. Yeah. Um, and a cool effect on this, the one we have is the Axe. So very similar to the other... Uh, Actually, I don't remember if there was a Nullstone axe, but I know there was the Shade Glass axe where you can throw it um, or you can use it in melee. Um, if you throw it, it's really not that good. Um, range 3, 2 smash, 1 damage, and then you just discard it. Um, but if you use the melee, um, 2 smash, 2 damage, and if it kills an enemy fighter, you get an extra glory. So that's really cool. Yeah, just gain 1 glory point, discard this card. Yeah, it's kind of like a temporary Tome of Offerings. Um, yeah. And a lot of the time, Tome of Offerings is worth it if you just get one kill with it, you know? Yeah. If that is indeed the weapons for the set, then it'd be really funny to see, like, Gits or Grimwatch towards, like, the end of the season, just, like, mm-hmm. loading up on weapons and then just gaining two glory for every kill. Yeah, and I actually think that that's maybe the best way to play some of the warbands, like, uh, Spoilers, where... I think them in particular, like they're going to run out of steam uh, in the late game when, you know, maybe Draknar gets killed or they lose the leader. And then you suddenly start piling on these weapons like the Larval Lance or the uh, Amber Bone 
weapons and you know just keep fighting. So that's kind of cool to me. Yeah. Speaking of Steam, one I guess <laughs> warband I'm really concerned about is Molog. Mm. Because if you look at the restricted cards left on the the sheet, uh, he can still take Burst of Speed, Long Strider, Cat- Accolade of the Cataphranes, Tome of Offerings, and then Upper Hand. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Which, the restricted list is kind of wide open right now, isn't it? Yeah. Because like if sure. they put Potion of Rage and Fainway Crystal and like you know Martyred, um, Calculated. Well, I guess Calculated Risk is already on there. <laughs> um, you know, I could see either of those working. So. Yeah, I would. I like the idea of there being like good cards that you always take. I just don't yeah. like their idea of being like dumb busted cards that you always take. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I think yeah. Molog is just. I mean, I've been very critical of him in the past, and I will continue to be critical. I think he's a really poorly designed <laughs> warband, and I think the impact that he has on the game is kind of dumb. Um, I've we've talked at length about it, but like a player who doesn't know what they're doing could literally play Inspiration Strikes, or now in this case, Regal Visions or Blazing Soul, and then charge mm-hmm. Curse Breakers, and then kill them. Yeah, yeah, I think that um, Molog is kind of weird because he's so skewed in one direction that if he's good, he has such a effect on the meta that like you have to be able to handle him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't mind if he was like B-tier, if it meant that everybody else could have a little bit more... like flexibility yeah um or maybe placing restrictions don't... on like warbands how many like Molog can only take three restricted cards versus like reavers can take five yeah that would be cool because then it, they would have the it would give them some flexibility and like if they felt a warband was doing really bad they could give them a couple more cards or um if they thought a warband was doing too good they could give them one less and yeah i like that idea too so like orcs could take like 10 <laughs> yeah or Orcs don't have. Orcs can take the bad ones too. Yeah, they'll still yeah. probably lose, but you know. Yeah, yeah, you won with them a little bit ago, so. You know, yeah, I got very possible. lucky. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you how many crits I rolled on defense. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's uh, what it takes. So. Yeah, but over the course of uh, nine games, like I was like, holy crap! <laughs> but sometimes when Gorka Morka wants you to win, and you have the wah energy, it's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I don't know. I, I and I think it's okay right now. I don't. I think that um, Molag did also lose a lot of his tools. So I haven't played against him yet um, in Beastgrave or like with any of the Beastgrave warbands. And then now that we have all these new cards, we would need to practice it some more too, probably. But yeah. um, I don't like tomes like Accolade of the Cataphranes. I don't really like it okay. like, as a concept. Um, but he doesn't have illusionary fighter anymore, which is pretty big. But he has he, commanding stride, shadowed step. Yeah, no, he does. Bainway crystal. It's just going to be a little bit harder for him to Two go out, get some glory, and then. Well, he only has one distraction. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Because distraction. Because we lost the normal one. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um. So yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. I don't. I just don't like Molog, so I think I'm a little biased, but. I think I think that's completely okay to not like him and be biased. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I think ever I don't think anybody likes. Him, I think Molog is just really dumb warband. Sorry to, to <laughs> if, if there are any Games Workshop employees listening, I apologize. Uh, but at the same time, yeah. like I, I I'm really confused as to why he still exists <laughs> and the way he does. You know, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't actually mind if they just reduced his range to one. 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Then it would be really hard for him to do anything. I don't know. It's a weird thing where, like, I don't know if you can make a version of him that's balanced just because of how skewed, like, his fighter stuff is, like, his just, warband just is. make him a little weaker and make the squigs a little stronger. <laughs> I did like the way his actions worked before they FAQ'd it, or how everybody thought it worked. Where, or, like, uh, if you charge once, you can't do anything else. Right. So you yeah. try to, like, move, attack, attack, and then charge. It was yeah. To me, it felt a little bit more tactical, so... I think so too, but I I think the designers, at least when I was reading the commentary, like that's how he was intended to play, was being able so. to go I and do crazy things and break the game in in a in a cool way, <laughs> but in in theory, yeah. but in practice. Anyways, we digress. Too much monologue. <laughs> yeah, now he has trophy belt too, which is is basically Tomo offerings, but it gives you uh, a, a spent glory. So. That's one of the new cards from this set too, so that'll be interesting. Well, it's restricted to hunters only, so. Oh, I missed that. Okay, well that's good, because then I guess if you want to work to make Malaga hunter, then I guess you deserve it. <laughs> yeah, I mean he does hunt. He hunts noobs and unsuspecting players. So. Right, right. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's really cool. So if you if you eliminate enemy fighter that's adjacent to you, so remember you can't use your two range if you're playing Malaga. If it's adjacent to you, uh. you get a spent glory. If if the target was a quarry and you're a hunter, you get an unspent glory. Okay, so it only works on hunters and it has to be range one. So I actually like that a lot more. Okay, I, I skimmed over that one, so makes sense. Yeah, so it so it's like the design space is really cool. Like they're changing the way that some of the cards work, <laughs> and I think it's really exciting. Um, but I also think they're really cognizant of like some of the errors they've made in the past. And so like right, storing right. word like adjacent in there means like Thundrix can never use that unless you're like running up right. with Allenson, which I've done in the past and surprisingly it works. <laughs> well, it is a much more balanced version of Tome of Offerings. Agreed. So, like it probably doesn't need to be restricted because you might get it once around, you know, you're not going to get it over and over again. Yeah. yeah and you don't have ready for action anymore. So you're not going to like, do some quick double kills or anything. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I like that a lot. And this also, like, because when I think Hunter, I think of, like, someone with a bow and arrow. And so, like, it makes sense that, like, the Wild Hunter, era, uh, you know, Hunters and some of the Ungors are. Mm -hmm. But it also, like, prevents against, like, I'm sure we're going to see more Hunter and Quarry. Like, it seems like it's the theme of the season. You're in the Land of Beasts. Everything is Prey and Predator, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Yeah. So, like, I'm sure that this also... Is like a fore, forewarning of like if there are ranged hunters, which I guess they already do exist, you can't yeah. benefit too much from their ranged attacks. I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that right now both of the starter box warbands have a ranged hunter, but they all have melee attacks too. So yeah, uh, I, I, uh, I like Alth that. Althane doesn't. Oh yeah, yeah. That's you can true. shoot you twice. Right, right. Speaking of but which, I played against Randall the other night, and I put fast shot on her, <laughs> oh, and like man, he was yeah. like, "So every attack action you can just shoot twice." I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Damn, I shouldn't have charged." I was like, "Nope." <laughs> and I just did like three damage over four shots to his scathe. Oh wow. Yeah, and then wow. I charged, so I did six attack actions in three actions, and then I scored like some glory, which is nice. Yeah, if you give her glory seeker, or you, you have like trap or or pit trap I, or snare, I did have glory seeker on her. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, she's really cool, but like, 
you know, it's kind of balanced because she's not really that hard to kill. So. Yeah. She could take down the Briar Queen, though, in theory. Yeah. Like, because yeah. she, has, she has, what, ensnare? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. With a, once she gets Glory Seeker, she could take out any forewarned fighter, really, if you roll good enough. So. Yeah. What do you think of that warband in general? The Wild Hunt? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they're a good warband to learn the game with, I think. Um, yeah. I don't think that you mindlessly charge in. I mean, that, that might work sometimes. Like, you might just crit everything and kill everything, <laughs> which yeah. happens. Like, we've all been there. We've all been on the receiving end of that as well. But I think the nuance with this warband is, like, knowing when to commit your forces and knowing mm-hmm. when to play it safe. And so I think just anyone learning that concept in general is awesome. I think the warbands play great into each other. I don't necessarily think they play well into, at least at this time, with such a limited universal card pool, into some of the more like the older warbands. Like I still think mm-hmm. Curse Breakers, Profiteers, like beat them. I mean, unless you are able to outmaneuver or outplay your opponent, I think the Condemners and the Banshees give them good games. Mm-hmm. I think Thorns of the Choir Queen, the, the Choir Queen, <laughs> the Briar <laughs> Queen probably destroy both of them, and uh, Molog, of course. They pl- they feel like very Godsworn Hunt to me. Yeah, both yeah, they do them. seem like that to me as well. Um, I do like how you kind of have to be careful with your charges on the first turn. Um, you have to like plan that ahead because you want them to be inspired, but um, you know you don't want to lose them because they are all pretty fragile. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Scape can be a beast too. Like once you start piling upgrades on them and stuff. So yeah, and they they do have some cool objectives. Like they have a version of uh, Reclaim the Lamb and Tiri, um, which is cool. I like that card for the Guardians um, for holding all the objectives on one territory. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't Restless know. I think Prize can help with that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Restless Prize can be really good for that because sometimes people will like put extra objectives in your territory and then you can just push one out. So, or like they'll think that you're not going for that card and then you'll suddenly push the only objective underneath one of your fighters. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to be playing those objective games. But um, I don't know. I think they're going to be like a good middle. Like they're solid. Like I don't think there's like anything wrong with them. But I think they'll be like a good middle tier um, warband. I wouldn't say that I think they like really define the meta in any way or they have a big impact on it though. They're just like aggro. They just with a little control. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that the spoilers will be better long term, or at least in the hands of good players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of cool things that you can do with them. Um, I just yeah. don't know if they're there yet, or if they ever will be, to be honest. But I have a feeling that they might. Yeah, I think as more hunter stuff comes out, um, they might be better. I mean, Draknar is just really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, like having basically a sake um, in there to be like a distraction and to maybe kill an important fighter um, early on is just really good. Um, and then, like I said earlier, I think that if you give them a bunch of weapons, like maybe like three or four weapons in their deck, um, once you use the uh, Draknar and the leader and then I forget the hunter's name, Morgoth, I think. Morgoth, the half horn. Yeah. Yeah, I think that what you do with them is like you sort of bully with those three in the beginning. Um, you want to keep the leader alive so you get the rerolls, but like that's another thing. Those ritual counters are like pretty amazing. Um, I know that when you were playing against Tony on the stream, you would 
get a kill you'd use the token you'd get a kill and then you'd get another token and then it was sort of like just having free rerolls as long as your attacks kept going through um so i think there's like an aspect of it where they might just like spiral out of control um but then i also think you can afford to like t take cards like supremacy and their other good objective cards and swift capture and be playing like an objective game with the little fighters as well so i think it's cool i, I think that they're like an interesting space that hasn't been explored yet um, I, I think so too I, I honestly, I, I, I hope I'm not sounding negative about them. And, and it doesn't sound like you are, but it might sound like I am. Yeah, I don't think so. But like, I think they're really cool, and I think the design space is there. I just, I need more, I need more cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, that's, that's sort of how I feel about every Warband right now. Because, um, like, we really just have the Nightball stuff. So. Mm -hmm. um, I also think the Condemners are really good, too, because my man Brodus <laughs> can kill everything. Yeah, yeah. I actually Bro, need to bros. try. I need to try them a little bit more. I think because uh, I played a couple games with them, um, but they are really good. Like Brodus goes to four move, which is really good. Um, they hit like trucks. So and Brodus is the truck. Brodus is Chuck Norris <laughs> in other worlds. Yeah, I also think Lady Harrow's is going to be really good. Yeah, but. I think they're. Well, no, I don't know. I think they're very susceptible to early aggression, which a lot of warbands can do now. I mean, both the Beastcraft warbands can. Uh, yeah. The Thorns true. can do it. Godsworn, Malog. So, I don't know. Yeah, and I guess they don't have last chance anymore. And, like, two dodge is really good, but there is more ensnare. So. There's, a, there's, a, there's a boatload of ensnare. <laughs> you know yeah. what? I think now is the time to win a trophy with Chosen Axis. Huh. That'll be interesting. I think now you is think the time. The way they. Why do you think that? Because at this time, there's so there's such limited cards that you just rely on stats, and they have some nutty stats. They also so, have really good faction cards. Yeah. So if you just like like pile up on push cards and <laughs> movement cards. Yeah. I yeah. think you can actually do some pretty hefty damage with them because if fuel hits you, you're dead, and the other guys are no slouches either. So. Right. I think yeah. I'm gonna try it. I think I'm gonna do it. I have two more warbands till I've got uh, Night Vault and Shadesfire oh, yeah. unlocked, if you will. So we've got the Godsworn and the Chosen Axes left. So Very nice. Yeah. We'll see yeah. what happens. But I got I already got four more that I need to win with, or five more now with Grimwatch. So True. it's it's never ending. Well, so why don't we talk about the Grimwatch a little bit? Um, now that we've talked about everything else, um, what do you think about them? Yeah, yeah. So as I said earlier, I definitely think they're a meta-defining warband. I think that. Yeah. I think they're they're good. I mean, like they seem. I think you coined this term when we first saw the stats, uh, like a, yesterday or the day before. It was. Yeah. They look like the love child of like Spyclaw Swarm and the Spulker Guard. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. It's 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 not any. You can't get any more accurate than that, right? Like I think the fact that they have such fast and numerous members is strength but then on top of that you also have these two beat sticks in the duke and the champion that it's yeah, it's kind sword. of concerning like the great oh yeah the great sword i don't know i keep <laughs> calling him a champion because he thinks he's a champion but like look at this four movement one dodge three health range one two fury three damage yeah like yeah, you can score glory early fury. I mean, two fury, but you can potion to rage that. You can haymaker sure. that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And then 
when he inspires, he goes to three fear and five movement, which is disgusting. Um, right. Their inspire condition to me is actually like the most important part um, because basically you cannot let them inspire, uh, especially at the end of the first round. But there's uh, no incentive to stop them from inspiring unless you're playing an aggro warband because like right, their fighters right. will kill you. Yeah, they definitely push you towards aggro um, because, I mean, they're really not very good at killing you until they inspire. Um, I mean, I guess you can take Haymaker and things like that. Um, but my concern, I guess, would be for the smaller warbands like Cursebreakers. I'm not really sure how you how you would stop them. Um, you don't. I think maybe you don't, yeah. You just uh, kill maybe. them from afar, maybe? Right, and it is really interesting how um, you can only resurrect the three ghouls. So I think similar to skeletons, which are kind of the opposite, where you want to be killing the petitioners and not killing the other guys, um, this is more like Skaven, where you want to kill the ones that can't respawn. Um, so if you can if you can get in early and kill Greatsword, or if you can kill the leader, like they they probably just fall apart. Um, but I also don't think that's going to be easy to do. I don't so. think there's a way you can get to the leader anymore. Right. And he also has... Oh, yeah, because we don't have hidden paths or special wings or anything like that. Um, he also has a really good upgrade. Um, I forget what it's called. Um, but it reduces the damage to two if it was higher than two. Um, oh, yeah, I'll tell you what it's called. And it's... It's disgusting. <laughs> I don't know if it's uh, a, like, just um, uh, impervious delusion, I think, or imperious, or something like that. Yeah, I'm looking something delusion. Yeah. Impervious delusion, and it's not restricted to him, so anybody can take it. If this fighter would be dealt damage, dealt more than two damage by an attack action or gambit, they are instead dealt two damage. The damage cannot be further modified. Right, right. So I mean, you could still use like sphere of Akshi or with ring or, or snare or pit trap. pit trap yeah yeah but you know if he gets that it is going to start being a little bit harder to chew through him um so i could definitely see like a situation where you're not prepared for him you don't stop them from inspiring on the first turn and then maybe they tool up with weapons um and then they just start throwing their guys at you because the leader is like actually better than scritch which is kind of interesting like his inspire is, you know, he's harder to inspire, but um, he's really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think they're that hard to inspire. It requires no resources. And he has range, too. So, like, you just, even if someone manages to sneak a dude in at the end, you just hit him. Yeah, yeah. And they have a, um, they have a really good, they don't have a distraction, but they have a pretty good. Um, I don't know. I don't know the name. So pushing a Jason fighter. It's called Appalling Visage. You choose one friendly fighter and one adjacent enemy fighter. Push the chosen enemy fighter up to two hexes away from the chosen fighter or friendly fighter. So if you have that one, then you, you know, and they only have two guys in your territory, then you can just like walk up and push them out. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I think they have some great faction cards. And yeah, they really do. Yeah. That's that's my concern, and I think you're sharing it is easy inspire condition, some really strong fighters. Some really strong faction cards. Just, <laughs> yeah. I'm not really sure what else we need. Oh, yeah. oh, and easy to score objectives. Um, 
Right, right. Yeah, because they, they're going to be able to be like pushing onto objectives and, um, you know, scoring some of those immediately. And then I think you still take like supremacy and you definitely take the um, path to victory. Yeah, I keep wanting to call it path to glory. <laughs> um, I mean, it should be called path to glory. Right. <laughs> the the best upgrade in the game is already called that. So That's true. Have everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, Just I think they're going to be a force to reckon with. Yeah, look great. Um, but it'll be interesting because I think there there are going to be some bad matchups for them. Like if you're playing Thorns of the Briar Queen and you sh- you just shove four um, uh, chain rasps into their territory on the first round, you know, and then charge in with the queen, like similar to John Reese's um, Grand Clash deck where he's trying to swarm people, like that could be really hard for them to come back from. I think Magor's Fiends just run in like if they win boards they just run in there and start killing things mm-hmm. um i mean i think so, the boards fiends are, are great right now in general but especially in yeah this yeah i think i think basically what these guys may actually push the meta towards is aggro um because you I, I, the way i see it you pretty much have to stop them i mean yeah so, that's exactly what i was saying earlier right is right it's going to force force aggro play and then it's going to force people to counter the counter, and then we're going to have this like weird metagame where everybody's just trying to counter one thing, and it's going to be fun, but it's also going to be like rock, paper, scissors, I think. Yeah, it could be, because aggro normally counters objectives, um, but then control will normally counter aggro. So and then I objective we'll V's see. control. Right, right. So I guess we'll see which one comes out on top. I mean, we also it's interesting that they've also only released... Um, one warband this this time this time um or announced one like maybe we'll get another one soon but um i think we were expecting two at once so it'll be interesting to see what else comes out i think that's a that's a great move i think it was a very smart move you allow the people to focus on one warband so instead of ma- forcing them to make a choice as a lot of a lot of comments i see online is people are forced to make a choice between a warband instead they don't have a choice you just buy the new warband and uh, it's a bit more affordable for people, but it's also like a great move on hype. Like, this right, is the right. only new warband. Like, let's just consume <laughs> all knowledge about it, and then you know, two weeks or three weeks or a month later, they drop the next warband. And if we got a new warband every month, that's more exciting to me than getting two every three months. Right. Me too. Because I can only play one and really think about one at a time. You know. Yeah. Um, and paint one, and you know all that so like it's just better i think so i'm pretty happy with that change yeah i think so so um okay well i think uh i think that pretty much covers it if you're playing grimwatch you need to get in on that those guys kill the leader (laughs) yeah uh, i'm excited to try them out and uh try to figure out strategies against them because i think they're here to stay like i think that we're going to see a lot of them so yeah i think going into the socal open and the um, first UK Grand Clash. Um, I think you need to be prepared. Yeah, I think those two events are going to really set the tone for what the meta looks like moving forward. Because mm-hmm. you know most people will take inspiration from that, or or just net deck, which is nothing wrong with that. Um, but sure. you know, it's just it's just we're curious to see, like, because Grimwatch seemed very strong. You know, there could be a warband that benefits more from some of these universal cards, or. Like, you know, I keep referring back to Fiends because I just think the stat-wise, they're great. And they were able to last so long into Night Vault just purely off their stats alone until the dwarves came, the, the overlords. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And 
And if they had never shown up, like Magor's Fiends would still be a warband regularly seen today. And now that the profiteers have been significantly toned down, I think you can come back to relying just on sheer like, I charge you four times and I probably killed two people. And right, uh, yeah. I now that the, the profiteers have to think more about the end phase because six of their cards are end phase now mm-hmm. instead of like three <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. So that's that'll be really cool because um, like unlike Molag, because I feel like the last time we had a really big shift in the meta was with Molag. Um, although I guess also profiteers. Um, I don't think I don't know if like if these guys don't look like they're going to be like impossible to play against. Um, they look like they're really good, but it looks like if you rush them and you just start killing them, like I don't think it's going to be an, as negative an experience as Molag is. Um, so, like, I think what it'll do is it'll just create a new meta and it'll make different things good or different things better. And it'll be interesting to try to figure out what that is, you know, in time for the next event. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, and then speaking of net decking, um, I'll probably try to update. Um, some deck guides over the next uh, week or so on Well of Power and let everybody know how I think uh, I'll be playing these guys. So um, I'm be sure to you will, out. you little power gamer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I like net decking and then you know use it as a base and then uh, figure out what I like. So yeah, I, I think that's a very valid strategy. Time to do it all myself. <laughs> let other so, people net deck. So yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's. Long story short, TLDR, which we probably should have done at the beginning. Grimwatch looked good. Beastgrave looks good. Meta looks fresh. Lots of exciting <laughs> things coming. Yeah. It's huge. It's great. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think that's it. You want to close it out? Uh, you got it. I introed. All right, everyone, that is it for this episode. If you have any feedback, questions, or comments, let us know on Facebook at Path to Glory Podcast. Um, You can also follow us on Podbean. Um, That's where all our show notes are, so be sure to check those out. Um, You can also rate us on iTunes. Um, We're told that that helps more people find us, so that sounds like a good thing. And uh, just thanks for listening. We wish you the best of luck on your Path to Glory. Nice. Ooh, that was like a Batman knife. Well, you know, there's it's a Grimwatchy. Ooh, okay.